The Apostle Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. By becoming like him in his death. In Isaiah, it is because God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Please, Lord, do a new thing would be a perfectly good prayer for this time that we are living in. Please, Lord, do a new thing. We are all reading stories that ask this question. In Ukraine, in Los Angeles, questions like, what is acceptable violence? So I'm continuing the theme in my sermons of asking questions that I cannot answer. And today, adding a question that I never anticipated wondering about, frankly. But I bet some of you are thinking about this as well this week, right? What is self-defense? When do we help? And what is help in the face of violence, if that is not itself the way we know to understand violence, or when it is actually violence as we know it, right? Jesus knows about this. He is facing his death. Paul names it very clearly. And none of this is theoretical. We're talking about real people, a population in Ukraine afraid for their lives, with real proof of what they have told us, that they will be massacred if no one helps. We see it. We, a nation weary of long-standing international interventions for all kinds of good reasons, Usually, usually moneyed interests involved, and even though this involves oil, it is, of course, and it seems different. Please, Lord, do a new thing. And what are the limits of the violence of words or the restriction of words? Our own legislature debating in the year of our Lord 2022 whether teachers can say the word gay. You know some of us are gay. Whether we can say the words of our true history Ironically, in this nation in which free speech is among our highest democratic values, even ab above the right to arm oneself against an oppressive regime. Please, Lord, do a new thing. So for context, Paul is writing today to explain himself, why he would be asking people to give up their own respectability, the respect of the community around them, the values of the community around them to do a new thing. He makes his case this way, and I'll bring it to today to make it real clear so there's no confusion and no anti-Semitism in how we read this, right? The children of Israel are a far-flung province of the Roman Empire on the outer fringe in Asia, essentially. They are rowdy, committed to their God and their way of life, principled, even while conquered by Rome. Paul is writing to a Jewish community in Philippi and says to them, I have credibility in every community you respect. You probably know people like this. It would be the equivalent of saying in America today, I too am an outsider like you, but I have made my way in. Let me tell you about it. I went to my local school, born of the right people, all the people, right? But then I went to an HBCU, to a historically black college, I know us, but then I went to Harvard Law. The law was Paul's area. 
and I was pursuing my career as a learned professional among Romans, persecuting Christians, Jews that had become too unruly, claiming their way out of no way God in violation of Rome, living their faith in public. And then Paul says, I met Jesus. I was made unable to see by a bright light and left vulnerable until a follower of Jesus told me the way. What we thought we had to do to be faithful, to be safe, Paul says, is not the way of salvation, not the way of freedom. The way of salvation is stranger than that, he says, so much stranger. God is doing a new thing in Christ, Paul seems to say. He doesn't quite say it. Do you not perceive it? It's from Isaiah. This messes with even us, I have to say. We are, by definition, people of the old ways. Like, look at where we're sitting, right? The Bible is full of references like this to an older way. The text itself refers back to older times. And that is what we are reading today, because it seems that we have always needed the proof of the old ways to believe that we're going to be okay. And yet, when we go back to look, the life-giving stories themselves are unruly and bizarre and strange, even revolutionary, if we will read them. God guides an enslaved people out of Egypt and moves the sea for them, a way out of no way. God loves this creation so much, God delights in its beauty, resting to enjoy its wildness and generativity, made for diversity, and we are made for that kind of delight. Say all the words. We have been reading Heather McGee's The Some of Us together with Ebenezer Baptist Church and coming together for conversation on Wednesday evenings by Zoom. It's a tough read. Like Nicole Hannah-Jones' work, it traces the origins of many of the inequalities that we see in our society and traces them to racism. So you might disagree with her solutions, um, depending upon your political leanings, but the problems she names are truths that we can all see, right? We see them in this city, all the things that keep more black people poor than white people. And this week, we are reading about how the identity of respectability, which is uh, contained in the idea of whiteness, can so easily lead people to do wild things, no surprise but hard to face, self-destructive things, destructive things, violent things. What kind of violence is okay? Jesus is getting ready to face the ultimate violence, his insistent healing and provocation, defying the Pauls of his time, will lead to his death. The verses around the ones that were just read out loud say they were after Lazarus too. It's one verse that we often overlook. They were ready to kill Lazarus again, or at least try to. The story of Lazarus' resurrection is causing more people to wonder about this Jesus, to remember their God who made a way out of no way at another time of conquest and sort of threatening to blow up Jerusalem at the Passover, which is coming in six days, by the power of that collective memory of salvation, of liberation. No more a passive people, but an inspired people. You can imagine the weariness in the room at that table. Everyone knew this probably wasn't going to work out well. Everyone knew 
that the authorities wanted to kill Jesus and now Lazarus as well. And so Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, that great little family, the presumptuous one, pours the scented oil of death upon Jesus' feet. I don't know if you can smell the incense a little bit in this room, but the room must have been like that a little bit, some scent hovering around the corners. Pours oil on Jesus' feet and wipes them with her hair. How beautiful and bizarre for all the scholars that have worked all this time on all those texts in the Bible, right, that we quote all the time, no one's got anything on this that makes any sense. It's evocative and bizarre and has been the entire time that we've known of this story. Clearly, she loved him. How beautiful. They all loved one another, the Bible tells us. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. Siblings and friends who loved each other. The Bible is so wonderfully strange if we will but look at it. So let us remember to do the things of love and compassion. Let us remember sometimes to look to the weak thing, the including thing, the queer thing maybe even, to defend those that God would hide under a warm, hovering, creating wing, the fabulous among us and the vulnerable, to let our own true selves be. God has made us on purpose, made us for goodness, made us to thrive, and made us for this time. You cannot be erased. This is the God that makes a way out of no way, a path in the sea. God is doing a new thing, the prophet reminds us, in every generation, in every time. Facing down the powers of evil embodied in power, horses and chariots and crosses in the time of Jesus. And Jesus walks boldly into it with his friend Lazarus, who reclines next to him today, looking into the eyes of his friend Mary. Who knew? Who knew? At that table spread like this table by the wise Martha, for one more meal of hope together in that strained little household with all their friends as he prepares to go to Jerusalem. What violence. We know violence because Jesus knew it. If anything, we know it demonstrates something. It teaches us about power and how people use it and who has it. It teaches us about ourselves and our willingness to collude with it because we are afraid. We have always been afraid, which is why God comes to us. And of course, it's easy to say this from here, I know. We are far from real violence. So let us pray for the things that swirl so far out of our control and devastate the lives of so many. And let us pray to a Jesus that knows the pain of oppressive regimes with horses and chariots and crosses and artillery. Let us not look away from those who bear the weight of violence in our time. And may we know the sum of us, a common good that reeks of Jesus, lover of the strange, miracle worker, healer, anointed by Mary today for his final tragic journey. And may our prayer be the prayer of Isaiah the prophet. Please, Lord, do a new thing.